Thank you, Bill, and thank you for praying, folks. Um, I want to let our kids go to their time. Miss Beverly has something special planned for them. And there they go. Well, um, turn with me in your Bibles, because um, you're, well, it, let me put it this way. You'll need probably two or three things for the message this morning. You ready, ready ladies? You ready to hear? Okay. You'll need a Bible. And if you didn't um, get one, we can probably make sure you have one uh, in your hand. Uh, a listening guide, uh, which is on the back side of our handout or our bulletin. So um, you can follow the outline there. There's some, some fill in the blanks. Um, and I know you'll want to you know, participate in the fun activity of filling in the blanks. It's always, always fun to do. Right, Nick? Yeah, okay. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to continue our, our, our time through uh, gos- the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we looked at, um, we looked at the, uh, the preliminary part of the Christmas story, the, the announcement to this, this young woman, um, uh, a teenage girl, probably about the age of these three gals right here. It's probably about the age of Mary. You know, she's probably 13, 14, 15 years old. And um, this angel appeared to her. We, we saw that in the story and said, Hey, guess what, young lady? I know you're getting ready to get married pretty soon. But before you get married and you start having your own family, something miraculous is going to take place. You're going to have a baby. And it's going to be because of the Holy Spirit, because God is going to cause you to be pregnant. No man involved. No human no human activity is going to create this baby, but I'm going to do it by a miracle. And so we saw, we saw how Mary responded to that, and she was pretty stunned. And remember, remember her response was, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's a good thing to meditate on, right? Anyone meditate on that this past week? Think about that. What does it mean? How, how, how could we um, come before God and say, Behold, I am your servant, Lord God. May it, let it be to me, or may it be to me according to your word. Whatever it is that you're asking me to do, even if it's impossible, even the, if the mission is impossible, okay, I'll do it. I'm ready for it. I'll, I will follow through. And you can do whatever you want with my life. Amazing that a young, a young girl this age had that kind of a response. Instantly said, okay God, uh, you, you want me to do that? I'll do it. Doesn't matter what the consequences are. Doesn't matter how, how crazy it appears. Doesn't matter how many people put me to shame. How many people put me down. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. Well, you know, the angel made a promise to Mary, didn't he? Angel said, this is a promise from God. This is God's word. Are you going to believe it? Are you going to receive it? So today I want us to talk about that. Believing and receiving the promise. Believing and receiving the promise. Um, this, is, I, this, is the kind, this is the time of year. Um, not only do we do all the trees and we, we get the tree set up, we get the decorations set up, we do the Christmas parties and we have a lot of food and things like that. But 
one of the traditions that, <clears throat> that my family has is um, we, go, we like to go see movies. So during, during the holiday season, you know, Christmas Day, there's probably a dozen movies coming out in theaters, right? And you may, be, you may have thought, well, I, I, I kind of want to go see this movie. I want to go see that movie. Well, a few years ago, actually more like 13 years ago now, the very first Lord of the Rings movie came out. How many people went to see that when it first came out? Yes? You were too young. <laughs> Olivia was two years old. She didn't go see it with us. We went to see that movie, and we, oh, this is wonderful. And, it just, and then it became a, a, a holiday tradition. So there was a new movie, uh, the second film the next year, and then they kind of hooked us in, and we had to go see the next one in 2003. And then, and then in 2004, was no more Lord of the Rings. What are we going to do? So we just started watching them on video or on DVD, and then, and then it became a holiday tradition, right? Well, there is one scene... In the second film, it's kind of near the coming near the end of the scene where this wizard Gandalf, he's on this mission, and he says, "I'm going to go on this mission. I'm going to leave you heroes here to fight this battle." And they're thinking, "Why is Gandalf leaving us? He's a great wizard. He's a great warrior. He can help us out here. Why is he leaving us?" And he said, "Look to my coming at dawn on the fifth day. Look to the east." Right? That's what he says. He will be back. And they're like, well, okay, will he be back? We don't know. We don't know. But the great, the, the, the climactic moment in that particular scene is when he does return. And he returns with an army on the fifth day at dawn. The dawn breaks, comes over the hillside, and there's Gandalf with the army, right? We re- it was a wonderful moment but here, is, here was a, a man, and in fact, a Christ-like figure for the author of the books. When he wrote Gandalf in these stories, he was thinking of this kind of Christ figure who promised he would be back, and he returned, and he returned with an army. Well, how do you respond to a promise? It would be, it's easy to lose heart. There's a promise made... And then you have to actually go through the waiting part of the promise. And you have to go, do I really believe this promise? And when will I actually receive this promise? Has anyone ever promised you something and you received it and it was just the most wonderful thing? You know, promised you, the kids, we were going to go to Disneyland and we went to Disneyland and they received the promise. But then there are those times when someone promises to do something and then it doesn't happen, right? I've been on both sides of it. I've said, oh sure, I'll, I'm going to do that. And it doesn't happen. Well, God is making a promise here. God made a promise to Mary. God made a promise to a lot of people. God makes a big promise in the Bible. The whole, the whole Bible, the whole story is a promise. And he keeps his promise. Look, look, what, look what happens and see how these ladies respond to this promise. Verse 39. I'm going to read aloud and you follow along with me. If, you, um, if you're wondering, if you want to follow along in a pew Bible, it's on page 856. Luke 1, 39. 
In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. The baby that was inside of Elizabeth leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this um, briefly this morning, I pray that you will um, show us um, through our, our minds and our thoughts and through the words that I speak, um, show us, God, what you would have us to know from this passage and how you would, would have us to walk in it, Lord God. Uh, we love you and I uh, pray this in Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want us to look at is this part of the story where the miracle mothers meet. Okay, there's, the miracle mothers are meeting right here. Number one, here's Mary, who is a miracle mother. She's going to have this baby. She hasn't had a husband. She doesn't know a man. She's had no relations with a man. And she's going to have a baby. It's a miracle. It's, it's, it's from God. And she goes to meet this other mother, this woman named Elizabeth. And we, we saw her in the story uh, last week. We kind of looked back at that story right at the beginning of Luke's gospel. We hear the story of Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah. And they were very old people. They were old. There's an old man and an old woman. And they, they never had children. They couldn't have children. They tried for years and years and years. And they thought, well... You know, uh, God must not might be happy with me because I don't have any babies. And I guess I'm not able to have babies. So, you know, the people around her kind of looked at her with reproach and they thought there must be something wrong with them. Well, God, we saw how God came and said, all right, I'm going to give you a baby in your old age. Just like he did to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were very old. They, they received the promise of a child when Abraham was 75 years old. And it was, over, it was over 25 years before that promised child came around. And they received it in their old age. And here was Elizabeth and Zechariah. And so the miracle mother Mary comes to visit her relative, the miracle mother Elizabeth. And, and we see this, this child is already six months along in her womb. 
and is leaping around. And when, she, when the baby leaps, when Mary greets her, Elizabeth immediately recognizes it's the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit is at work here. And look what, he's, look what she says. I want us to just kind of observe some things that Elizabeth says about Mary here. Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you among women. Don't pass over that little phrase. You know, it's not, it wasn't just a, hey, Mary, you're, you're very, you're blessed and, you know, it's wonderful, um, you know, you're a great, you're a great lady and, you know, I think the world of you. But she's saying, blessed are you out of all the other women in the world. <laughs> blessed are you among women. Of all of the women in the world, Mary is singled out for blessing. That's, there's your fill in the blank. Mary is singled out for a blessing by Elizabeth. And remember that Elizabeth is speaking under the, under, the, under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Speaking something about Mary that is very true. Why, why, um, why this kind of blessing? Um, do you remember, um, this might be an obscure reference, but you, does anyone remember the old television series or film from the 80s, The Highlander. Yes? I, I, I knew I could trust Bill to know this. Well, it's kind of a weird story, but the, the whole phrase from The Highlander is, there can only be one, right? There can be only one, something like that. Right? There can be only one. And there's, you know, I'm not, I won't get into The Highlander. Ask Bill, he'll fill you in and give you the mythology. But, but there's that concept of... of you know, there's really, there can only be one person for this task. There's only going to be one incarnation. There's only going to be one moment in history where God enters as a, as a baby and is born from a woman. It can only happen one, once, and there can only be one. There can only be one mother. There can only be one Mary. And that's her. Blessed are you among women. Elizabeth recognizes that the calling on Mary's life is unique. Nobody else can, can do this calling. And look what, look, what he, look, look what she says next. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of my Lord? What, what is this all about? The mother of my Lord. Who is my Lord? And in our English translations, that's capitalized because she's using the Greek word kurios, which is Lord, and that's exactly how the, uh, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the people of first century, um, first century uh, Palestine referred to God. They called him Lord, kurios. Why, why is this granted to me? What, what, why do I get the privilege of the mother of God coming to visit me? The mother of God? Mary's called the mother of God. Why would, she, why would she do this? What kind of heresy is this, right? I think that's what we, we should probably think. There's only one God. He's in heaven. And he doesn't have a human mother. God has always been, always will be. He's eternal, 
right? All of those things are true. Then why would she call Mary the mother of my Lord, the mother of God? She recognizes something about her. She recognizes the uniqueness of her calling. That this is no ordinary miracle miracle birth. This isn't like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're going to have a baby in their old age. It's a miracle. How could this happen? They're having a baby. But she recognizes that there's something about Mary and, and this baby that she is going to bear that is unlike anything that's ever happened before. It's unlike her her pregnancy. It's unlike the pregnancy of Abraham and Sarah. It's unlike the pregnancy of Hannah from the, the story of, in 1 Samuel. Hannah has a little baby. It's unlike all of those miracle babies. Here, Mary is called the mother of God because she's going to give birth to God in the flesh. God incarnate. This miracle goes beyond just a pregnancy and the miracle goes to God, the infinite, eternal God, is going to come and become a tiny little fetus and then he's going to be born in the natural way and then he's going to grow and learn and experience everything that we experience in life. He's going to live among us. God becoming a man. How should we honor Mary? We read this and, we, and I think a lot of us will, will think, well, there are some tr- uh, Christian traditions that really, uh, they say, Mary, whoo, she's right up there. It's like God, the Father, Son, Spirit, and then Mary. How should we, should we worship Mary? Should we, should we venerate her? Should we put sainthood on her? Well, let's look at the story. She's an ordinary girl. <laughs> She's a normal human being called by God to do something amazing. Singled out above all women to bear God in the flesh. That should be honored, I think. I think we ought to, I think we ought to honor Mary. But look what Mary does. We'll, we'll, see. Well, we'll see what Mary does in a little bit. I want you to remember that because... How does Mary respond to this news? How does Mary react? Does Elizabeth bow before Mary? Well, no. She's certainly in a humble position. She says, your pregnancy is greater than my pregnancy. What what does she say next, though? Mary, though, believed the promise. For behold... Elizabeth says, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God has spoken from the Lord. Mary didn't just receive this calling, receive this news and go, Well, that's great. That'll never happen. Yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. Which is how we oftentimes respond to a promise that's made to us. Yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. We, we just went through the... the the, the midterm elections, right? And we heard all kinds of promises. And most of them we go, well, yeah, we'll see it when we believe it. Yeah. We'll believe it when we see it? That too. We'll, we will believe it when we see it. But Mary believes it right off the bat and says, that's, if this is going to happen, I'm going to go for it. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God 
had spoken to her. And then look what Mary does next. Mary said. Well, she said or she sang. Most of all of our English translations put this in a poetic form, put it in verse form. And we call it Mary's song. Mary's song. It's a little song that she wrote. A little song that maybe on the three to five day journey between her, her hometown in Nazareth to the hill country in Judah where she went to visit her cousin, her relative here. Maybe, maybe over that time she was thinking about this and she was thinking about how amazing all of these things. Well, what's, what's going on here? The Holy Spirit's going to cause a baby to grow inside of me and I'm going to bear the Messiah. I'm going to bear the Holy One. I'm going to bear the Son of God. God in the flesh? This is crazy. And maybe over that time she's meditating and she's thinking about all of this and, and when she gets there, she says, here's the song I wrote on my, on my journey. And, and I want to share it with you, Elizabeth, because it's bursting out of me. And what does she do? She praises God. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And why does she do that? Why does she do that? Verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That, that's herself. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Everyone's going to call me blessed. And that's happened, hasn't it? It's exactly what's happened. And that's why, we, that's why we consider Mary such an important person in the Bible. Every generation has called her blessed. Mary praises God for his calling, his calling on her life. I, I almost wrote down, Mary praises God for her calling. Because the, there's, a, there's a uniqueness about God's calling. God's calling, it's, it's his calling because he's the one who's initiating it, and he's the one who's empowering it. When he calls us to do something, it's all about him. But he makes it our calling too. And so then we can talk, talk about it and say, well, my calling, or we can say, his calling or her calling. Because it becomes our story. God's story and His work in us and His calling on our lives becomes our own calling. And that's what Mary praises her for. Mary praises God for His calling on her life. Then, he sa- then she says this, um, For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary praises God for His character. For His character. You know, she's, um, for a, a 15-year-old girl, she's got pretty good theology here. She really understands who God is. She understands that God is a mighty God. For He who is mighty, and some translations say the mighty one, the mighty one has done great things. He's mighty. And then he says, she says this, and holy is his name. God is holy. God is mighty. God is holy. Holy is his name. Um, this is not just um, the, his name. Don't, don't, don't speak his name in vain. In the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew thought, in the Jewish mindset, the name is the essence of, a, of who a person is. So to talk about somebody's name is to talk about their whole character, their being, their essence. The name defined a person. It wasn't just a descriptor and it wasn't just a, a, a place symbol, something symbolizing uh, a person. 
But it really was their essence. And she says, holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. We saw that in the Psalm 103 that Bill, that Bill read earlier, didn't we? God is mighty, God is holy, but God is also merciful. And those are three aspects of his character that Mary is just reveling in and she's praising God for. It is interesting to me that a 15-year-old girl would have such insight into who God is. And we could easily say, well, it's under the influence of the Holy Spirit, maybe, like it's a special revelation. But I've got a feeling that this gal probably listened when she went to church. She probably paid attention. She probably understood Scripture in ways that we would be ashamed of. Probably. And she took it to heart. And she grabbed onto it and she held onto it. And here it is coming out of her. So that when she prays and when she praises and sings and when she shares a testimony, everything she knows from God's Word is just pouring out of her. It's not something that she has to... She doesn't develop a, a method or a, a, a style. It just overflows out of her. And look what, she, look what else God, uh, Mary praises God for. Mary praises God for His works. For his works. Verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Well, you think, well, is that what he's going to do? Did he do that in the past? All you've got to do is read the history of Israel. Read the Old Testament. Read the stories and see what God has done. Mary was not, this was not just this random girl who, who had no context, had no culture, who had no understanding of who God is. She understood who God was. She understood God's works. She understood his character. She understood his calling. And so when God came to her and said, I, I want you to do this, she said, okay, let's do this. When, when she started to, to dwell on it, she realized, wow, this is, really cons- this is consistent with God's character, His nature, who He is. I know, I know this God. She said, this is consistent with the works that He's done. That's the, this, this is the kind of thing that God does. He does show mercy. He does show His power and His strength in the lives of people. He does scatter the proud. God gives grace to the humble, but He frustrates the proud. Those who are proud and, and self-exalting, God's going to say, well, you have no place for me in your life. And He brings them down. He, he says he, bre- he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Uh, some translations co- say the rulers or the princes the people in power. Um, it's the same word in verse 52. He has brought down the mighty. Same word as th- this translation uses in verse 49. For he who is mighty. Mary sings this song and she contrasts the might of God, the mightiness of God, with the puny might of people. The greatest power on earth, the greatest kingdom on earth, the greatest military might on earth, 
can, can seem really powerful, powerful and overwhelming in our own lives. But Mary recognizes that nobody, nobody can muster an army more powerful than God in His right arm, <laughs> in His hand, or we would say, his, his pinky has more strength. And He has exalted those of humble estate and filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, those who are self-satisfied, He sent them away empty. Because the kind of work that God does is good news to people who need it. Good news to people who need a work of God. Mary praises God also, finally, for His salvation. Mary praises God for His salvation. I thought about changing that up. and Mary praises God for His plan of salvation. Because that's what she's talking about. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. He has helped His servant Israel. The the history, the story of God is the story of God creating and redeeming and calling, making a nation for Himself, Israel. Most of the Old Testament is, is, has to do with Israel. From Exodus on, we have the nation of Israel established. God has helped His servant Israel. And He did that in the past, and though that process and the results of it are continuing on. He's continuing to help His servant Israel in Mary's time. And she's recognizing that. Here we are, a little nation, a a, a people, in fact. We have our temple. We have our our places where we worship in our synagogues. We learn. We learn about God. But we don't really have our nation anymore. You can call us Israel. But Rome is in control. Rome is the power. There's an empire here. There's an emperor. And we're all supposed to say, you know, Caesar is Lord. Caesar, Kurios. But we know, Israel knows, Mary knew, her family knew, her people knew that the true God is the God of Israel who keeps His promises. This plan of salvation is, is His remembering His mercy. We, we sometimes, and the psalmists do this, they say, remember God, remember. There's a song that we used to sing a few years ago, and we've probably sung that as well. Um, remember your children. Remember your promise, O God. And we sing that to God. Remember your people. God, remember we're your children. Remember we're your people. Remember your promises to us, God. And I, I, I used to think at one point, I thought, well, I don't know, should we really say it? Because... You know, God remembers. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need us to remind Him of those things, right? But he, his, his Word is full of those kinds of cries that His people say, remember your mercy and be merciful to us. Be merciful to us. God wants us to come to Him and ask for grace and ask for mercy. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, and that, that He's speaking of, uh, she's speaking of 
all of the prophets who have spoken before. And then she singles this one out, to Abraham and to his offspring. Some of our translations actually say into his descendants. But it re- actually is just a singular term in the, in the original language. Offspring. Singular. And Paul captured that in, in his letter to the Romans. And it mentions, I think, in Galatians a little bit too. This offspring is not just many, many descendants. It's a singular offspring. It's Jesus. The offspring is Jesus. The offspring that was promised to Abraham is Jesus. Remember that God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I will make you a a, a great nation and all the families of the world will be blessed through you. Not just Israel, but all the families of the world will be blessed through you. That's good news. We're going to see more about that next week. But see how Mary magnifies the Mighty One. His calling, His character, His works, His salvation. Mary, Mary is so steeped in God's Word. I, I wish I had time to show you every single reference and allusion and quote to the Old Testament that's just in this little song. I've got dozens. I, I didn't even write them all down. I've got dozens of references to the Psalms. This, this, this girl knew God and she responded to the promise of God. And, she, and she, that's how she ends her song. That's how she ends her song. You spoke to Abraham and to his offspring. You, we, we're remembering it and you remembered it too. God remembers his promises. I wonder what God has been speaking to you about. I wonder what promises that, that he's made to you. What, what has he called you to? Because if he's called you to something, he's given you a promise. I think about that for us. You know, we wrestled all of 2013, wrestled with God's calling. God calling us to come back to the Northwest and trying to figure out where that was going to be. And here we are in Yakima, in Moxie specifically. We follow that calling and we've often wondered, okay, God, how's this going to work out? Well, the calling is not just, okay, go here because I want you to go there. There's a promise to it. God's, God's saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be present with you. Did that to Abraham. I will show you. Come with me. I will show you the place. I will show you. And then I'm going to be there with you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill the promise to you. You know, he said, come and, and plant a church. And here we are. And we're just trying to, trying to be faithful as best we know how. And we're learning all kinds of things this year. God's not done. He hasn't fulfilled all of His promises yet. We're here saying, okay, remember your mercy. Remember your promises to us. Remember your children, oh God. Remember your promise, oh God. I don't know what, I don't know what He's called you to. I don't know what, um, uh, what He may be wanting to encourage you about, to just stay faithful in, um, a, a promise that he wants you to receive uh, uh, and believe. 
It may be the promise of Jesus. Maybe it's just that believing the story. A, a real girl, a real human girl in history about A.D., or excuse me, B.C., 4 to 6, somewhere in that time period, gave birth to the Son of God. A real person who lived and died for us to give us salvation so we could receive the good news. Maybe that's, maybe that's the promise that we need to receive. Maybe that's the promise that we need to believe. Maybe you can, this week you could meditate on Mary's song and just ask God to give you a heart to believe and receive the promise that he's given through Jesus. Ask God to give you lips to praise him for his character and for his works and for his salvation. That's what the world needs to hear. They need to hear that. They need to hear a song like Mary's song. But they need, and they need to hear it in, in their own language and their own context. How will you respond this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise that you made. Uh, first of all, to Abraham. You, you told him you would make him uh, into a, a nation, a great nation, uh, with many descendants. Um, so many descendants that they'd be uncountable. And, um, and you promised to be, to be a blessing to him and that all the world, all of the nations of the world, all the families of the world would be blessed. And we see that promise took a long, long time, God. It took a long time before you fulfilled it through this young girl, Mary. And you gave her a son. And she gave birth to Jesus. You filled that, fulfilled that promise in Jesus' life and his death and burial and his resurrection. God, so that we would have a message to share. Uh, we could share that message with others so that they would be changed and transformed and, and, and to know you. So that all the world will be blessed. Lord, I pray that, um, God, you would do that in our hearts. Um, even those of us who've been walking with you for many years, have known you for many years, I pray that this message will never get old, that we will continue to, to go to you for forgiveness, to go to you for um, uh, transformation of our lives, uh, no matter what stage we're at. And for those who've never made a commitment to Jesus, this is, this is a great opportunity to do that. Today is a great opportunity to do that, to receive salvation to admit that we don't have it all together, that our lives are messed up. We need somebody to come in um, and, and help us on the inside. Somebody change, change our hearts from the inside, and that's Jesus. Pray that you'll help us to believe and receive this promise, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is our time of response. I'm going to invite you to stand, and, and we'll sing together a song, and while the music is playing and, and you're singing along, if there is anything you want to pray about or if you want to make a response, um, this time is, is for you to, to make that response.
two, 